Well, hello and welcome to the Walk in Discipleship podcast. I'm Alan Brace with John Varis and Pastor Tim Barr, and we're your hosts for episode number three. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you as you walk as a disciple of Christ and to help you work through your study guide, The Walk. Uh, today, we're in chapter two on page 15, if you are keeping score. Gentlemen, greetings. Welcome. It's good to see you. You know, what would we do without technology? Each one of you is like a long ways away from here. What's yeah, the deal? I'm hiding out in Iowa today. Where are you at, John? I'm still in Cleveland. Oh, see, technology. And yet you, you're right here in the room with me. Right. And you, you're you in Kansas City, right, Alan, right now? Yes. But you were in what, Mississippi this week? I was in Mississippi this week. It's uh, It was lovely down there, all kinds of ice. So, um, Pastor Tim, uh, you know, it's uh, it's nice to see your face. I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've seen you. And, John, you just kind of left us. You just kind of went away. Uh, we need we need to see you once in a while. Oh, yes. And I'm so looking forward to see uh, our church uh, soon. That's, that's good. Well, on this episode, we are talking about biblical change. And to do that, uh, we need to review some of the terms that we learned from our walk through foundation discipleship course. Um, John, how would, I'm going to throw this one at you first. Uh, how would you explain sanctification and progressive sanctification? And what are the differences between those two terms? We get, we throw them about, but we really need to understand what those are. Absolutely. So we are sanctified, uh, through, uh, the work of uh, Christ and, um, the Bible speaks about two types of uh, sanctifications. In one sense, we can understand sanctification as a positional sanctification which is basically the unchanging position in heaven for all eternity that we enjoy in Christ. And there is a second part where um, it hits in uh, every single one of us is the what theologians will call progressive sanctification, which is a lifelong process in becoming uh, like Christ. Yeah, and I would just say, I actually think there's a third one, and that is that there's ultimate sanctification after we die, and that is where our position and our practice line up. But until then, we got to be honest, we are not living in perfection. We're struggling. Exactly. And so the, the sanctification is, is a, to use your word, Pastor Tim, a punctiliar moment in time. Uh, and then uh, the progressive sanctification is just the development as we walk through life to become more Christ-like. So um, now there are three steps to this pro progressive sanctification that, that we want to cover. Uh, the first one is put off sinful behavior. Then there's the renewing of the mind through God's word. And then there's putting on obedience, right? And that's where we need to kick off. Yeah. And John, I thought it was fascinating that the book presents a three-step process because I normally hear people talk in terms of two, which one of them kind of struck you as being unexpected. I think it's the, the middle one. Uh, every time when I studied uh, Ephesians, for instance, or Colossians chapter 3, where are the parallel texts, um, it looks like at the first reading that Paul speaks about basically putting off the old self and putting on the new uh, self. But uh, the book brings up a very interesting topic, an intriguing one, and that is the renewing of your mind. And uh, I'm so looking forward to discuss more about it. Well, don't we have, don't we hear about putting off things and putting on things and all that in, in our, just our worldly discussion? Yeah, I think like right now is a key time. We're, we're brought, we're recording this 
um, in early January. And I think lots of people are trying to put off some stuff right now. And they made New Year's resolutions. They're going to lose a little bit of weight. And I feel like a lot of Christians, when they come to these kind of texts, especially Ephesians 2, what they envision is something akin to a New Year's resolution. But we're going to affirm that is that is not at all what the scripture is calling us to. In the world sense of things, we're we're asked to put off, like you said, uh, you know, all of our New Year's resolutions. Which, by the way, I've already put off my New Year's resolutions. Um, just just in the for sense you delayed of, on it, like you delayed no, making one, or no, no, no. I started it. It just, but you know, it's the end of the first week. You got to put that off already, right? Uh, <laughs> you 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 realize that fifty two weeks of this is is tough. No, no, you, you got to learn to be wise. You got to be proactively putting off the resolution. So what you do is you postpone the resolution to the following year. There's, oh. a, there's a skill there you got to learn. Is this, uh, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about putting off resolutions. We're talking about putting off sinful behavior. How do we go about doing that? And what, what does that mean? Hey, John, why don't you start by helping us think through what does it mean when we talk about the old self or the old man? Because until we know where we're starting from, we're never going to figure out where we want to go. Absolutely. So when we speak about uh, putting off sinful behavior, we are simply speaking about the old way of living and believing and feeling. uh, And the old way means basically what we used to be before uh, meeting Christ as Lord and Savior. And so the book speaks about several steps in putting off um, a sinful behavior. For instance, the old self reflects who you used to be or how the old self is corrupting um, us in um, its influence or the old self will deceive us into thinking falsely about sin. Yeah, for example, in Ephesians uh, 4.17, so this I say to you and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. I think that that gives a, a really strong theological explanation of how every person is born. We're born with those things and just build into our nature. Now, Alan, what do you think when it says walk? Because I, I think that's a com- it's a wonderful kind of word that's going to go all the way through this book. But, but we actually have it in the text here when it says, and, and this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk. Alan, what does the word walk mean in there? Well, I think it's it's the path that we choose to go. Um, you know, our old self wants to go down this path of pleasure, self-pleasure and self-affirming uh, affirming and, you know, got to feel good about myself. And that's a walk. That is a way to go about living. And uh, but we're asked to change the way we live, not to walk as the unbelievers, but to walk as a believer, walk as as if Christ is walking beside us or to to live that way. And it's it's a lifestyle. It's the way we walk is a lifestyle. You know, as I heard you saying that there's you keep using like action words 
And, and I, I'm, from a theology perspective, especially from a biblical counseling side, there are certain people that focus on the actions that people do. And there's other people that say the only thing that matters is how you feel. And then there's lots of positions between. Um, John, kind of from Paul's perspective, as you would understand it, where's Paul's focus? Is it on one of those extremes somewhere between? I would say that um, Paul is actively encouraging his readers to focus on um, on uh, moving uh, forward in an action manner, uh, I would say, something that um, will make us feel uh, thinking that um, uh, we are just wondering how can we do something like that? How is it possible to set up our minds uh, on, on, on putting off the old self? Because it's so difficult. I mean, we, we must uh, recognize that um, even in our lives, it's so difficult, uh, you know, to get rid of your old way of thinking. But probably from a, I would say, counseling position, pastoral position is that uh, we shouldn't forget that uh, is the Lord uh, who gives us uh, the the power to to fight the old self and to crucify the old self. For instance, in Second Corinthians three eighteen, uh, we see that Paul is telling us that we are being transformed into His image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is uh, the Spirit. And in the same time, He tells us in Philippians two. Uh, that we must continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so I'm thinking that in all these uh, manners of life, um, we know that the Lord is with us, and in the same time, we must recognize that we need to to work actively uh, in changing ourselves through his power. Now, one of the great hurdles we're facing as Americans, and I would argue everywhere in the West today, is that Satan has produced a significant counterfeit or at least a redefinition for what the old self is. And I think the way you can know that is this. Just listen to people who go to a therapist, come away, and when when they talk about self, they're going to talk about self-esteem saying, I need to grow my self-esteem. They're going to talk about finding your true self, experiencing self-fulfillment. I mean, the word self appears a lot in our culture. And what's fascinating is I don't think they're talking about a new self. They're talking about fully exploring the old self. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I think what I'm hearing from Paul here is we should be leery of ourselves not trying to explore every facet of it. Is that right? Absolutely, because it's so, what is so interesting is that Paul, when speaks about the old self that did not know the Lord, uh, he's using some very strong words, uh, for instance, corruption and destruction. And uh, uh, for instance, in uh, Galatians 6, uh, he says, do not be deceived. God, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh or the old self from the flesh will reap destruction. So whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. And so um, when we hear all these um, new ideas in our world, um, we know that the world and their ideas will reap destruction. And I think that's because if we go back to that Ephesians 4 passage, 
when it talks about the way in which gen people all of us walk like gentiles which by the way just means like people who openly exhibit sinful behavior we are being darkened in our understanding see i i think every person is born spiritually blind and what we're doing is we're groping around in a world trying to find how we should live and I, I think Satan is trying to convince Christians today that we have in our native intellect and in our native emotions a, a really health, like some kind of light or health. And I think what's really in us is spiritual darkness. Alan, do you see this like in your world? I know you interact with people a lot. Well, certainly. I mean, we're, we're supposed to put off sinful behavior and, and yet when you deal with the world and on a business level, um, the, it's all about me. It's all about what's good for me and what's good for my company in, in a lot of ways. And so you see that. Let me ask you a question. Are what we really talking about here, this thing that we're supposed to be putting off, is that what's, what Paul's talking about here at the end of uh, chapter four of, of Ephesians? And say verse 26, where it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath. Do not give place to the devil and so forth. Is that really what we're talking about? Are the things that that's the action item on our part. And yet we are responsible to allow the spirit to work in our lives, to have control of our lives so that we can put on the, the proper things, the things, the fruits of the spirit. Yeah, and I think once we know what the old self is, that this is where we're starting to get called to. We're starting to get called to put on a new self, which is going to be very different. In the old self, anger was normal, and the new self, anger is controlled, right? In the old self, sensuality was just commonplace and rampant. In the new self, purity is expected. I mean, there's going to be a transformation. So maybe we ought to do is jump the middle step for a second and say, what is it that we're trying to do? And, of course, Paul uses this language of a new person, a new self. Um, but I think that could be rocky ground as well because our culture regularly speaks about having a new person or an enhanced person um but what our culture is talking about is certainly not what scripture is talking about uh, john you live in this world regularly even in your academic studies right oh absolutely and what i notice notice is that the world tries to fix human nature um, using some superficial, some surface level uh, techniques. And unfortunately, what we notice is that the world uh, infiltrates even our churches, our churches in general, where we see all these kind of like therapeutic messages and sermons um, where, uh, you know, uh, preachers will try to uh, inform uh, their listeners that, uh, you know, um, changing uh, yourself is something that you can do through following some techniques. Um, kind of like you can have your time. best life now. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, honestly, you're, you're right on, John. There's so many preachers that are offering health and wealth, but personal fulfillment is the biggest one right now. So, so. Is was that just that any a different? pastor thing or what? How is that any different than Tony Robbins and some of these other worldly ones that are saying you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps? How is that any, you know, is, is that any different? So when we are confronted with the truth of the word, the Bible tells us that 
the true change comes from the inside out, not from the outside in. And so, for instance, we have a very clear example uh, in James 3, where we speak, uh, where James uh, speaks about, uh, you know, the, the problem of um, unbridled tongue. And uh, <laughs> James is saying, you know, you cannot uh, tame your uh, tongue because it's, it's impossible. And he ends in James 3 speaking about the issue of heart. And so the Bible speaks very clearly that the solution for our behavior is not in some sort of like moralistic techniques, but it's actually inside. And that is a change of heart. So you know, Romans chapter um, 12 is just hits right at the theology of this. Because it says in verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. Now that sounds like externalism. That sounds like just behavior. But you got to keep reading because it goes, which is your spiritual service of worship. But verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed form by the renewing of your mind literally the word has the idea of a metamorphosis it's from the inside out and it starts in the mind and goes to the behavior it doesn't start in the behavior and change the mind and and i think that is exactly where we are our, our world is trying to change behavior hoping that the heart and the mind will change but the word of god has the ability to change the heart and the mind so that the behavior changes so, so how do we do that? How do we, it says, it calls us to renew the mind. How do we do that? What, what do we do to renew our minds? Uh, and, you know, we've been talking about a lot of action steps here, but what are the tools that we use to renew the mind? And by the way, if you're listening, we just went from step one to step three, and now we're back to the middle, step two. Step two, yes. Right. We, we've just gone to what is it that takes us from the old man and living controlled by it as a Christian to the new man, and it's step two, and that is renewing the mind. John, what do we do? So as we see in our book, uh, it is telling us to look at Ephesians chapter one, where uh, we see that in order to renew our mind we have some blessings that the lord gave us in christ and we see this in verse three uh from chapter one uh where the word is saying praise be to god the father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in christ and so and then paul is explaining us uh the entire trinity being involved in in giving us the spiritual blessings that we need in fighting with our our old self and in fighting with the um, temptations of the world and even uh, we have here the tools to fight against the spiritual realm uh, that is against the devil and his demons in chapter six and so for instance we have the blessings that come from the father he chose us he predestined us um, and what is important at, at each uh, at the end of each paragraph we see that the purpose is that uh, we should glorify God through the tools that he gives us. You know, I've heard my wife, Elena, um, counsel women many, many times over the years. And something I've heard her say over and over again is no matter what the challenge she's facing, she always has one verse in her mind. And that is when Jesus says, come unto me and what? I will give you rest. Yeah. Right. By the way, yep. and, and the question she has to have in her mind is this. The only source of the rest is Jesus Christ. 
And I think what is happening in preaching, what is happening in just people's personal thoughts is they're bringing their problems to Jesus. And what they're saying is, I am coming unto Jesus and we together will work out a solution to find rest for our souls. Um, and by the way, when you come unto Jesus and he gives us rest, his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I want to tell you, when you bring your will and your baggage and your mess and you try to do a combo work with Jesus, the burden only gets heavier and the yoke only gets heavier. We have to realize our only hope in this is realizing that we come unto Jesus and he is the source. He changes our thinking. We need someone from outside to interact, you know, impact us in, and change us. And that's Christ. We can't, we can't do it of ourselves. We don't have it within ourselves to, to fix us. And we have to have that outside influence from Christ and from God's word to, uh, to help us make that change. All right. So let's bring this like right down to brass tacks. Let's imagine there's um, someone listening to this and they're married and they're, they're just having a lot of conflict right now in their marriage. And, you know, they, they kind of know the only person they can change is themselves. Right. So let, let's imagine this spouse is saying, okay, I, I have to think about my old man, my old self. What are some of the things the old self is, might be contributing to the problem that this spouse might be facing? What are some real practical things that they would be looking for that are old self stuff? Uh, being offended very easily. Um, not accepting uh, to listen to their spouse. Uh, just simply as a man, I'm talking right now, just staying and listening to what our spouses have to say to us. Right. So that's an old man issue. Now let's talk about the new man. What would that spouse says, here's what I want is I want to put off the old man and I want to put on the new, what would be the goal? If, if, if baby being frustrated and angry and not listening to a wife is what a husband might struggle with, what might be the biblical model? What might he be looking for? What is interesting is that the word speaks really clearly that in order to be a better husband is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And that is the, the bedrock truth that we need to recognize that we are not preaching some moralistic things like to stop being uh, angry and uh, to have harsh words uh, regarding our wives or kids. But if we understand that we need to be confirmed to the image of Christ, then the result is a Christ-like behavior, even in our families. Yeah, so you got like, um, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, that's the end goal. That's the new man behavior. Now, how do we get from one to the other? John, you, you just, you hit it around the head. And that is, we always need the gospel. You see, no. what Christ did on the cross not only saves us initially from sin, but we are running back to the cross every single day of our lives because we need mercy from our good shepherd. We need grace to become what we could never be on our own. We need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and so what we do is we realize the Holy Spirit works through the word of God as we submit to it. But we trust in the power of God to change us. 
And I think that's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4, uh, 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, God in Christ forgave you. We're back to the gospel at that point. Right. Now, here's where a secularist would say, uh, someone completely devoid of scripture and God, they say, yeah, I'm frustrated and angry with my spouse. I'm going to be a better version of me. And then what they envision is I'm going to somehow re come up with new strategies and plans and 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 think about this in the secular world the source of the change is the old man the person and what we're saying is no i don't want to be a a new version of me i want to be a christ transformed version of me i need god to change me because i can't change myself that's at the very very heart of biblical change right there and and trying to make yourself be better or whatever, sort of like washing your car and waxing it. It looks nicer, but it's still the same old you, right? And we need to be transformed. So, well, this has been an important discussion uh, about how to put off sinful behavior and, and how to put on obedience. But at the core of that, the second step there is to renew your mind with God's word. Uh, we can't help but emphasize more and more that you need to do scripture memory. You need to get into God's word, memorize it, have it ready at hand. Uh, part of the weapons that we have to, to live a, a more Christ-like walk is to, uh, is to have the scripture in our minds and, and to be renewed by it. We also encourage those of you who are discipling uh, discipling others, uh, to pray for your mentorees. They're struggling as well. They, uh, they're trying to learn. That's why they're doing, going through a discipleship, uh, study, but we, uh, we encourage you to pray for them. We do thank you for uh, joining us on this episode of walking in discipleship podcast. We're trusting that this has been an encouragement to you and that you will be strengthened and, and given renewed resolve to walk in Christ. Uh, we encourage you to read God's word and pray daily so that you'll be well equipped for this battle that we're in. And until next time for Pastor Tim and Brother John, I'm Alan. So long. Mm -hmm.